So it was nice of Juju Smith-Schuster to hang on until we were about to go on the broadcast uh, so that we would have just a little bit of something to talk about. Don't feel as if you can't ask about Penguins and Pirates as well. And on that note, we're going to dive right into these. Uh, see what we've got here. Tim Allison says, is the Juju deal just to keep him from Baltimore or something else? First of all, for anybody who hasn't heard, Juju Smith-Schuster has agreed to terms to come back to the Steelers on a one-year, $8 million deal. He also, he also has apparently, reportedly, and remember, you always got to be aware of when agents are trying to, to feed narratives. Uh, I'm always cynical about this with, with everybody. Apparently received uh, apparently received apparently received uh, a $13 million offer from the Chiefs and $11 million offer from the Ravens. Uh, that is some pretty significant money if it was extrapolated over a long-term deal. Remember that this is a one-year deal, Tim. So no, the Ravens wouldn't have had anything to do with this. In fact, if anything, if you look back over the last few days, uh, if you look back over the last few days, you're, you're talking about uh, something that finally makes all of this make sense. You know, I mean, that that's... That's the thing that really jumps out at me is that I was wondering what they were hoarding all the cash for. Now we at least kind of have an idea. Uh, this Here's another one. It says, I'm trying to make sense of the Juju signing. Now they're either going to cut or trade Nelson. And, uh, yeah, that's the other component of this. If you haven't heard, Stephen Nelson has basically been told that he can go seek out his own trade. Uh, but implied in that is that he'll not be here if if uh, that doesn't work out. That tells me that Cam Sutton is going to end up being the other corner, and I'm okay with that. I understand that Nelson has graded well in some circles as a corner over the last two years. I also understand from watching the Steelers that he was considerably better in 2019 than he was in 2020. Uh, Jonathan Mason says Mark Madden is punching air right now. Yeah, he, he probably is. But if you have something to say to him, you know where to find him. That's 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 uh, I have enough of my own. Uh, Issues and headaches and everything else to deal with. He can deal with his own. Let's see what else we got here. Clint asks, is a potential Nelson deal more about wanting to make sure there's enough money for water? Minka or both? To... No. No. Clint, this this was what it was. The Steelers had, by every, by every conceivable reckoning, they had $4 million in cap space. That's it. So they couldn't even do this thing with Juju unless they made one additional adjustment. And as I was saying on a, on the podcast uh, on Daily Shot of Steelers earlier today, I really felt like it was strange 
that they hadn't approached, or at least not to our knowledge, Stefan Tuitt, Chris Boswell, uh, any of the guys that are available for restructuring. And one of them that I mentioned was Nelson. So they're apparently ready to do this in a piecemeal fashion. They wanted Juju back. They made enough moves to clear out enough money to bring him back for at least one more year. And I say at least for a reason. Lenny asks if there's an update on Gino. Uh, the Penguins actually just took to the ice for practice uh, in Newark. Uh, that was supposed to have begin uh, at 1.30 at the Prudential Center. And if you haven't been keeping up with, we have a live file for this on DK Pittsburgh Sports. Dave Molinari will let you know everything that's going on there. Um, but Gino is on IR, so he couldn't be participating in the practice regardless. Let's see what Jonathan's got here. Who would you be comfortable with with a trade for Nelson? Oh, that's not how this is going to work. Nelson's just going to get traded for for virtually nothing just so someone picks up the cap hit. Um, that's just that's someone taking. I mean, you can get a, a – I shouldn't say that. You can get a draft pick or something like that, but you're not going to get uh, a, a prototypical uh, sports trade in, in this context. Uh, Mike Mitchell says – so do the Steelers draft a running back like Najee Harris from Bama or re-sign James Conner? Since Conner's not getting a lot of interest, maybe both. James Conner's not going to be back. Um, you're going to have you're going to have enough uh, you're going to have enough in there for Conner uh, to to be as disposable as as basically he made himself. Conner did not have a good season. I'm not one of those people who lays everything on the running back when there aren't rushing yards. And Connor had moments, but principally what went wrong for the Steelers' running game was that, A, the offensive line didn't want to run block, and, B, the quarterback gave up on the running game way too early in most games. Tim asks, how does this change draft strategy? It doesn't. The Steelers just don't think of things that way. Or if you're talking about Juju or the corners or whatever, uh, don't forget that the Steelers have Justin Lane in the fold. And the Justin Lane did get on the field uh, quite a bit in the 2020 season. That doesn't mean that he distinguished himself, but he also didn't embarrass himself. I thought he actually made some strides as the season went along. So I don't think you're going to see them adding to cornerback depth or adding at that position, except... For one thing, if Cam goes to the outside, Cam Sutton, as I said off the top here, maybe that's going to be something that messes you up, you know, because now you're not going to have that nickel guy. So maybe, you know, all of this is happening very quickly, and maybe I spoke too soon. That Cam would be the one that stays inside, and then Justin Lane ends up your starter, in which case, yeah. Lots of uncertainty uh, at hand, you would think, the way this is all setting up here. Billy Altman asks, who are the other two bobbleheads in the screen? Uh, I'm not sure which one you're recognizing out of the three. They're all pretty prominent. Uh, this over here is, of course, Santonio Holmes catching the touchdown. This is Josh Gibson, a legendary catcher from the Negro Leagues. Uh, Homestead Grays and Pittsburgh Crawfords. 
and that's Mark Andre Fleury. Maybe he's the one you recognize. I don't know. You said who's the other two? You didn't say who's the one you recognized. <laughs> Randy asks, with Nelson gone, what do you see as the top three needs of the Steelers? I don't believe that they've changed. I really don't. Uh, I think you're still talking about needing a center, uh, a full-time, ideally a big-time or at least a medium-time center to take Marquise Pouncey's place. Let's not forget that that is still a vacancy. I don't know that they brought B.J. Finney back to be the center. Maybe they did. Maybe they did, but there's been zero public statement or, for that matter, on our part, access to the team through all of this uh, Mid-free agency is not an access period in Steelers land. The other side of the, the, the ball, you know, you've got to replace Tyson Alualu in some form. If they think they can do that internally with Isaiah Bugs or Carlos Davis, we'll find out. But John asks, where is Samuel Poulin? Is he NHL ready yet, and what are the Pens plans for him? I think Poulin, and saying this with all due respect to his being a kid, showed very clearly in this past training camp that he is not ready for the NHL. Uh, he was doing a whole lot of headless chicken out there. And while you would like to see young players get a chance and fresh legs and all that other stuff, and he has shown uh, significant offensive skill in juniors, when you get to the pro ranks, you've got to be able to play the whole 200 feet. And... I was at least a marginal proponent of giving Sam a chance going into this past camp, and then I watched him in camp. So, no, he's not uh, hes not currently in anything remotely resembling an equation to come up and help. But, boy, do they need help. This depth is just ridiculous, and I say that even when they're healthy. Uh, Ed Fleming asks, which Pirates pitcher has the most wins this year, and how many will he have? Um, I don't even look at pitching wins anymore and I've been way 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 talked out of that uh, by the analytics community and everything else pitching wins are going to be a uh, a relic here before very long um, when you look at the way this rotation is going to have to be structured this year it's going to be difficult to get wins at all you have so many innings to cover and so few pitchers that put up any significant innings in 2020 that I believe you're going to see the Pirates start out with a six-man rotation. But even then, to bring in or bring up players from the satellite camp in Altoona or bring up players from Indianapolis once the Miners get going to just keep rotating through, which Pirates pitcher will have the most wins? Um... I don't know. Uh, let's say somebody who would be the most predictable or reliable, and I would say in that sense I'd be looking at Chad Cool. How about that? But even then, we're still not talking about much. That's got nothing to do with the quality of the team. Uh, Mike says, can the Pirates have a negative amount of wins? Uh, you need to watch what this team is doing, Mike, uh, in Bradenton. Uh, they are not playing bad baseball in any facet. They're hitting the ball, which I'm skeptical that they'll continue to do. They're pitching really well, and I'm not skeptical about that. 
and they're catching everything. They're, they look like they're going to be a good fielding team, and I'm definitely not skeptical about that. Uh, I don't see this as a situation where you're going to see, ah, they're going to be so terrible or whatever. Um, a lot of the players who made them terrible in 2020 are no longer with the team. CJ asks, DK, I'd rather see Josh Curry in Pittsburgh than Jankowski, especially after that embarrassing display on the power play goal. CJ, I am all, all over this with you. I, If it weren't for all the injuries that they've got right now, Jankowski would never take the ice. I thought his approach to P.K. Subban on that power play shot was embarrassing. And I mean that in the literal sense, as in he should have been embarrassed to go back to the bench. He wanted no part of getting in front of that. Now, easy for me to say, I'm sitting here in a studio <laughs> doing a show. I don't have to get in front of a PK blast. But that's not my job. That's his. You're out there on the penalty kill. You can't be ducking. You can't be ducking shots from the point, especially when they're coming from the other team's top threat and actually one of the league's top threats. PK is going to beat you from that place. By not getting in front of that puck, Jankowski was basically saying, you know what, go ahead. Go ahead and score on my team. We're going to be finding a way here in the next couple of days over the weekend to try to make this thing as smooth as possible, a lot smoother than this one's been. This is a test run. We're not. It's not something that we're promoting or making official or anything like that. We're trying to get uh, as many people in to participate, still have some fun. It's still out there um, and have some fun discussion. One of the things we're going to try to do by Monday, uh, if I can handle the technical savvy of it, and I'll certainly strive to do that, is to get you in on these, like to have you come in on video. I'm not a thousand percent sure how that'll actually work, but I believe it has something to do with sending you a link. You hook up your webcam, boom, you're right there on the screen. You're like in a little box over to my side and we'll make it kind of like a little talk show. And then after this is done, after we finish with these things, we'll very quickly put them up in podcast form and get them out to you. So you have them available for your drive home. You can hear what uh, other Fans are talking about and what I might have to say about that. Greg Church says, the defense was the special part of the team. Although the top players on that side are still here, it doesn't feel like it too much has left on that side of the ball to hope for a top five defense again. Yeah, yeah, it, it, we're getting rough now. It's, it's five players out of 11 that are gone. It's way too many crossed fingers, way too much... Hope this, hope for that, hope for this, hope for that. Uh, you can go around the field and ask yourself, meaning on those 11, where did they get better or where did they get worse or where did they just kind of stay the same? And and we're now at the point where they look like they're going to be worse. Is Alex Highsmith going to be Bud Dupree in year six? No. Highsmith can be a really good football player. We've seen that. But he's going to be Highsmith in year two. Uh, right corner, we just mentioned, you know, Nelson is is undoubtedly going to be gone. If that's Justin Lane, I'm not as high on what Nelson just did 
as as some are, meaning in 2020. I loved his 2019. But there were things that Lane did that impressed me along the way. If Cam Sutton goes to the outside, then you have no answer on the inside. Vince Williams will be replaced by Robert Spillane. Arguably, he was going to be replaced by Robert Spillane anyway. Uh, Spillane will have to be a very, very good, solid, smart run stopper, occasionally capable of getting through uh, to the second level, the, to the quarterback, the way Vince was. But asking him to be Vince right away, uh, that's that's going to be a bit much. Heck, they're going to at least be better at left inside linebacker, right? Because Devin Bush will be back. So there's there's one position where they've upgraded on defense. Um, who am I missing? Nose tackle. Tyson Alulu won't be back, obviously. He's in Jacksonville. So you're looking at either Carlos Davis or Isaiah Bugs, And they're not really nose tackles at all, so you might have to go to the outside. No. The answer here is no, TJ. And I don't know that anybody would try to – uh, spin it, you know, any other way. I really don't. Johnny asks, how concerned should we be about Mitch Keller? He's pitched five innings. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know, Keller has pitched five innings in Bradenton. He's given up 12 runs, and it hasn't been pretty. Um, he's looked erratic. Uh, he's missed with his fastball. He's missed with his off-speed stuff. And what happens when people swing when he's pitching like that, he'll get his strikeouts and he'll get his lack of con contact. Honestly, I'm tired of that. Um, he's not a child. He's not 20, 21 years old. He's 24. He needs to start throwing the baseball where it's intended to be thrown. It's only been five innings. And he has time to get it together. But the idea of Keller entering 2021 as the clear opening day starter and everything else, and he's going to take charge of staff now. No, I, I'm I'm not seeing that. Brad asks, DK, are you surprised with the Juju signing? Um, yes, on a couple of fronts. And I was waiting for someone to ask this. I was one surprised that we got away from the, the Juju thing as quickly as we did. On one hand, I didn't expect that the Steelers would be able to carve out cap room. And the way they've done it, I've definitely been uh, very much surprised at how they've achieved this. So that part of it is I, I didn't see coming. However, if you think about it from another standpoint, and this is something that I've been talking about uh, all week on the, on the Daily Shots of Steelers, if you consider that Juju was singled out by Ben Roethlisberger as the guy that he wanted back. I'm talking 10 minutes after the playoff loss to Cleveland. Ben's on one of these calls with us. And what undoubtedly was a pretty rough day for him, you know, knowing that Marquise is going to retire, throwing the three picks in the first quarter and everything else, he still found a way to bring that up. He wanted that out there somehow, some way, publicly, and without games and so forth, he wasn't going to have an easy avenue to do that if he didn't do it right then. Then the whole Ben thing plays out. Ben's salary is 
voluntarily reduced, semi-voluntarily. And he works, he works his way into a situation where the Steelers publicly say that they're going to do whatever they can to put the best team around Ben that they can. Well, Marquise retired. There still isn't a running back. There hasn't been a center to replace Marquise. They're probably looking at the draft for the running back. And all of these defensive guys left. So I could see where on the Steelers' end, there'd be some internal self-pressure to, hey, I mean, we did tell this guy we were going to do something. And this was the player that he asked for. So I could see that. From the Juju angle, let's not overplay the whole Juju took less money, even though by every account he did. $13 million from the Chiefs, we don't know how many years. We don't know if it was one or we don't know if it was multiple. $11 million from the Ravens, again, no idea if it's one year and some kind of average annualized value or if it's the whole thing. But what we do know is this. In 2022, the Steelers have immense cap space. The last I checked that figure, it was at $148 million. Not for the payroll, for the cap space. So it's entirely plausible that the Steelers say to Juju and his agent, listen, take a year. Do the year with us. We can't get into any kind of signing bonuses and other stuff right now because we flat out don't have any cap room. If you come back, We'll take care of you in 2022. Hmm? Seems something right up there. That's not me being cynical. That just that actually makes more sense than playing the violin or, in our case, the accordion and the Pittsburgh polka and saying, hey, I'm back, everybody. That actually makes way more sense. John asks, do you expect the Steelers to try and nab a top running back in the draft, or do they go elsewhere in the first and second rounds? Uh, I mean, they'd better take a running back in the top two rounds. I, I don't see a way around it. I really don't. There have been times over the years where we've watched the draft and we've said, oh, there's no way they're getting through this round without. They have to take a corner. Remember, it was they have to take a corner. It can't possibly get through this. Or an inside linebacker. That was the other one after Ryan Shazier's injury. Got to take an inside linebacker. Got Oh, how can they not? And then they would surprise you. This can't be one of those. This can't be one of those. Um, they're not in a position to sign a significant free agent running back. And I believe that you're better off getting a running back out of the draft anyway because of the wear and tear component, because running backs don't last very long, and because there are a couple of very, very good running backs available to you if you choose to take one in the first round. In Travis Etienne and Najee Harris. I'm not 100% sure which of the two I would prefer at the moment, but I really like, really like Etienne. Uh, I'm not going to lie here, but I, I be, I'm open-minded in either direction. They absolutely have to do this. There's, there's just no doubt in my mind. Randy asks, with cap space available due to injuries, do you see Ron Hextall getting help at center? Uh, if so, who? My answer is yes. 
He should be doing that this second. There is urgency. You can't let this team build up to where it was in the standings before Bluger got hurt, before Malkin got hurt, and you left yourself just with this mishmash that we all watched last night in Newark and say, yeah, this is going to be okay. You know, let's just give Jankowski more minutes. Uh, Jared McCann returning will help. McCann will go to center. I have, I'm positive of that. McCann, I believe, will center the second line between Kapanen and, I don't know, maybe Rodriguez. You know, Rodriguez would go to the left side. Um, none of that's perfect, but it's it's better than what they had last night. It's still not good enough. Think of it this way. When the Penguins had everyone healthy or close to everyone healthy, who was going to be your fourth-line center? It was going to be either Jankowski or Rodriguez. Rodriguez, to me, is more effective as a winger. Who would it be? Who's available? I mean, Eric Stahl's available, but you got to work out a deal with the Sabres in which they keep a significant portion of his contract. Eric Stahl, to me, is a guy that would just be a perfect fit. Not, not to suggest I've heard anything from the Penguins that they're interested in him. I know they like him, like a lot. But I'm talking about as to whether or not they're interested in acquiring him. I have not heard that. For what it's worth, even though everyone in Buffalo stinks right now, uh, Stahl hasn't scored in something like 16 or 17 games. Kevin Kramer comments here, Teddy is more important to this team than most fans realize. That is the truth. That is the truth. That is a really, really good two-dimensional hockey player. Brian asks, so this is day two of afternoon ask anything for you. What are your thoughts about the new venture so far? My thoughts are, is that the, the starts of these shows are rocky because I'm trying to do a lot of different things in the technical aspect. Uh, and you, the way these things are structured, you have to do them yourself. Uh, it's not like you can have a, a producer or someone sitting nearby to manage it for you. Because if you think about it, what I'm doing here, Brian, is I'm I'm interacting directly with you. And I need to see what it is that you're saying. And the order that it comes in and some of the comments that come in. So when you see these comments that show up on the screen the way yours just did, that's me doing that. So I'm the one that has to get used to this. I'm the reason that this is this is a test run and that we're hoping to have it all squared up. As far as how I, I'm really enjoying this. Like I could really, really get used to this, like in a, in a good way and, and really looking forward to doing more of it. Whenever I, I would do radio, um, my favorite part by far was the interaction uh, with, with callers, listeners, or when people would, would send in written notes. Uh, by far, I, I've just always enjoyed that. In this business, TJ asks, what about moving Tanev up to the first line and move Gensel to the second temporarily? No, no, you, you, would, you, you don't want to take away a strength. Um, the one thing that the Penguins still have is their first line. Um, they were the only line that threatened last night in Newark. And I'm not a believer in watering these things down because then what you're left with is four mediocre lines. And that's not going to win you hockey games either. Robert Morgan asks, if you were Kevin Colbert, would you have wanted Juju return aside from the fact that this may have been done partly for Ben? Sure. 
I mean, Juju's a good football player. My issues with Juju, and it's plural, my issues were principally that he got virtually no yards after the catch last year. He has not been able to break free, to break big plays the way he did as a rookie when really his brand was built. And I'm not talking about the the lit brand. I mean the brand that he could be a potentially not good, not very good, but great football player. That's what he looked like when he was a rookie. If there's a way to get him back to that level, sure. As far as how he competes and everything else, he competes on the field. I don't think anybody, anywhere would dispute that. He plays the game really hard, and he plays it very seriously regardless of how he acts uh, off the field. So, yeah, the Steelers would want that, but the Steelers would want a lot of stuff that they've let go here. And the only real commitment that they made so far is to Juju. CIS in West Virginia asks, if you could buy stock in one of the younger minor league Pirates prospects, who would you buy? I mean, that's... For me, it's got to be Nick Gonzalez. Um, he's going to be the number one prospect in the system once Kebrian Hayes stops being officially considered a prospect. There is no one anywhere in the baseball world who doesn't believe he's going to he's going to rake all the way up to the top level. He's just a natural born hitter, and the fact that the positional expectations on him aren't very high. I think will actually help him. He's going to be a second baseman. He's done some short in his career, but he's going to be a second baseman. They're not going to ask him to do much. If you can get yourself a big-time line drive hitting second baseman uh, with significant pop, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Uh, he He's the guy that I would keep an eye on for sure. Let's see what else we have here. Chad asks, do you think they'll address cornerback or inside linebacker in round one? Wow, no. <laughs> do not be doing that. Neither one. Sorry. Sorry. I see round one as an either or, but it's not either of those two. Round one to me has to be a running back or an offensive tackle. It's not about need. It's not about, well, with running back, it's a need. I take that back. But you also have to look at what the strongest area of the draft class is. The Steelers have always done that. They don't resist that. Last year, what was the strength of the draft? Unquestionably, it was wide receiver. They said that there were 10 elite wide receivers. Remember, 10. And they didn't even count Chase Claypool. Sure enough, 10 guys get taken. Claypool gets taken 11th. Claypool ends up, you know, looking pretty great. You have to look at the actual draft class when you're doing this. By all accounts, this is the best class we've seen for offensive tackles in a long time. Do not just let those guys fall past you because you're trying to address positional needs. Let's see what else we got here. If Nelson is traded, meaning Steven Nelson, does Cam Sutton move to the outside and is the secondary a big question mark right now? That's from Randy Deneen. 
Randy, the secondary was the only thing that had been left alone to this point. And I'm even including the departure of Mike Hilton because I could see Cam Sutton filling that role on the inside. Not exactly the same way Hilton did, but probably better in coverage than Hilton and lesser than Hilton in terms of making impact splash plays like on blitzes and stuff like that that we saw from Hilton earlier uh, in the 2020 season. I think you're going to see the Steelers either try to replace Nelson at at right cornerback, meaning from the outside, or they're just going to trust Justin Lane. One thing that we're never privy to are the discussions and dialogues that happen within the team, like really within the team, closed doors, about how they see their own young players. Let's say, for example here, that in letting Tyson Alualu walk, they saw things in practice, in other situations, about Isaiah Bugs or Carlos Davis. Davis is the one that really kind of jumps out at me here because I think we've seen enough of, of Bugs to not be sold on him. Carlos, let's say they, they really, really like what they see in Carlos Davis. That's a big variable in making these kinds of decisions. You know what I'm saying? Uh, let's say that they also feel that way about Justin Lane. Now, Lane did get on the field. Lane did get burned a couple of times, and Lane also made a couple of big plays. Maybe they've already made up their minds that Lane is good enough to get a chance out there. Either way, uh, hard to paint any of this as, as a positive. I mean, they really, really hit a wall here, you know, with this cap. Ed asks, give me something positive to make me think Cole Tucker can be a productive shortstop in 2021 above the AAA level. I don't have anything, Ed. I don't have anything. Uh, Cole has to do that. Cole has to hit the ball. He knows that. He knows that. We had a, a brief talk when I was in Bradenton uh, three weeks ago. And I said something to him to the effect of hit the bleeping ball, you know, just hit the bleeping ball, Bill. Excuse me. Hit the bleeping ball this year, and he goes. I know. I know. I know. He knows. He knows what he has to do. We all love Cole Tucker. It's impossible not to. Uh, this is this is just a tremendous kid, and when you see him get on the base pass or out in the field, and you see the kind of effort that he gives, and you see the natural athleticism that he has, and the enthusiasm and everything, and you want to believe in the Pirates and get excited, he. He's someone who could be such a big deal toward that, but he has to hit the ball. And he hasn't done that yet. He hasn't done that yet. Something significant has to change. Tim asks, what do you think happens at nose tackle? Um, I don't know that nose tackle is going to exist much longer in football. And I have a feeling that you're, instead of seeing teams just eliminate nose tackle, you're starting to see them just kind of wean it out. That's what the Steelers have done. Think about it. Ever since Casey Hampton has been gone, they've had guys that they've put there and they've called them nose tackles. But Javon Hargrave, 
the moment he was drafted, it was very clear that he was a, a penetrating type uh, of defensive tackle, much more in the in the Aaron Donald mold than in the big snack mold. So I think they're already gotten away from that. The only times they would get stubborn about nose tackles whenever things weren't going real well with the running game, and they would put Big Dan out there, uh, Daniel McCullers, and poor Big Dan would get trampled. <laughs> he was big, but he was also horizontal. Um, I, I think that's what's going to happen at nose tackle. Uh, I think you're going to see them maybe find a way to say, all right, listen, we do want three defensive linemen out there in this formation, but don't really think of yourself as plugging a hole for somebody else. Uh, think of yourself as being similar to Cam Hayward and Stefan Tuit in mission. We're going to be able to take a couple of more here. Let's see. Cindy says, great studio. Thanks, Cindy. Um, Jim asks, heard anything on Alejandro Villanueva coming back with the Steelers or signing elsewhere? Would you want him? The answer is no and no. Um, I really, really like this guy. This is, that, that is not a shot. That's not a dig. He did not have a good 2020 season. He did enough to help. Ben stay on the field the whole way through, and that was the primary mission of the entire offensive line. But we also watched the games. We saw. Sherrod asks, wouldn't it be smart for the Pirates to lock up Kebrian Hayes right now? Yes. Yes, it would. Uh, you can do that. You can make an approach. We've seen the the Tampa Bay Rays. We've seen other teams do it. And as our Alex Stumpf of DK Pittsburgh Sports reported from Bradenton a couple of weeks ago, the Pirates made an overture. They, they've begun the process. There's no rush. There's there's never a rush with these kinds of things. They control his rights. For anybody who doesn't know and gets nervous about this sort of thing, for six years, regardless. Is six years. That's the way Major League Baseball system works. It's not uh, allow. It doesn't allow players to leave as quickly as they do uh, in a cap system. Brian Fedorik asks, "What is your most prized sports memorabilia?" Uh, contrary to the visuals that you see behind me in this studio, I really don't collect it. This is pretty much what you've seen uh, me gather over the years that they just hand out in press boxes and so forth. There's some media guides here. There's some jerseys that I got back when I was a kid. And there are, the bobbleheads almost entirely came from stadiums. Uh, they will actually pass around the bobbleheads into the press box, or at least they used to. Um, most prized, that'll be this. I'll reach for it here. Oh, no, I can't. It's all locked up. Uh, you can, Yeah, you can, you can see it on the screen. That's my uh, Johan Hedberg hockey stick. Uh, after he was traded, uh, after the Penguins traded him, uh, he he left me that. He wanted um, – we had a pretty good relationship. Let's just say that. We had a pretty good professional working relationship, and my respect for him is probably unlike any athlete uh, as a human being uh, that I've covered. And uh, he left that uh, just – just for me to have. It's literally the only thing I've ever gotten from an athlete because we're not supposed to do that sort of thing. So I'm just being honest with you here. 
All right, one more, and it comes from John Marker, who asks, if you were to assume that Malkin and Bluger are both out longer term, what center do you think can be targeted for a trade? Well, I did mention Eric Stahl earlier. Uh, and your further part of the question is, where is the answer in-house already? The answer is not here. It's not. There's no one in Wilkes-Barre. Um, there's no one on the taxi squad. We watched Frederick Gaudreau waste everyone's time last night in Newark. It, it's not here. You have to go out and get him. And you have to do it in a way where you're not parting with your future. So someone like Eric Stahl makes sense if Buffalo can keep his cap or some of his cap. They just say, you know what? You know, our team is terrible, which it obviously is. Let's give this guy a chance to go somewhere. Penguins love him. Can't say that enough. Uh, that that would be that would be my guy. That would be my guy. All right, one more since you asked nicely. Johnny S. Stanley Cup prediction. I still feel, I still feel that Colorado is a team that when they get everything rolling, they're very, very well equipped to be the favorite. Uh, to win. Tampa Bay could be that, but you know what's funny? Tampa Bay might not get out of their division with the way the Panthers are playing. And I don't believe that that threat exists to Colorado as much. Yes, Vegas is good, uh, but I, 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 I would be looking toward the Avalanche. I think the Avalanche is a better team than Vegas. And once the Avalanche get rolling, no pun intended, that is one whale of a hockey team not just the forwards that we all talk about not just that incredible line that they have the nathan mckinnon line but all those mobile defensemen and everything else uh it's just a that that to me looks like a championship in waiting what's going on there in denver hey um thank you for doing this again um i know it hasn't been super smooth and i i know that the beginning was kind of me fumbling for buttons for the first two or three minutes or whatever, but uh, this is the only way we're going to pull this off, and that's the reason that we're doing um, these test things. We'll see. I, I might try another test one over the weekend just to see how these things work from the standpoint of uh, you know the the technical things, but also seeing if I can get your calls in. You know what I mean? Uh, getting getting people involved so you don't just hear my voice through the entire process. That's really what I'm looking at more than anything else here. I want this to feel like an actual talk show. Like we're just, we just got together and we're just, you know, BSing Pittsburgh sports for a half hour, wherever you are, whatever you might be doing. Uh, so anyway, thanks so much to everybody for participating. Uh, if we don't try it again this weekend, we will definitely, we will definitely be here for real, for real and, and, and start it up. Uh, officially with all kinds of fancy logos and graphics and branding and stuff come Monday. Thank you again.